Holy Spirit moments. When was the last time you noticed the Holy Spirit at work in or around you? This may have been a moment where you're just in awe of God's goodness and brought tears of joy to your eyes. Or it could have been one of those moments that produces goosebumps on your arms. Or maybe it was a moment where you felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to do or say something. If it was recently, take this moment to give thanks to the Holy Spirit for being active in your presence in your life and guiding you even now. If, on the other hand, it's been a while and it's hard to call to mind what this Holy Spirit might have been, then we should take an honest look at ourselves and ask the question why that is. I know in my own life, there's been seasons of drought of these Holy Spirit moments, and there's also been seasons that have been filled with these Holy Spirit moments. When I think back on the first three decades of my life, I largely neglected the Holy Spirit. For me, the Holy Spirit was that one person of the Holy Trinity who was the neglected God. And I just occasionally gave a nod of recognition to up until that point in my life, I really hadn't done much with my faith other than attending Mass on weekends. I'd never gone to a Catholic elementary school or high school. I was never an altar server, never participated in a Bible study. In fact, I rarely read the Bible at all. And yet, I felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit to become a deacon. If becoming a deacon was a paid job, then this resume would not have gotten me hired. Apparently, volunteer roles have lower standards. <laughs> you poor people. But despite this less than stellar resume, I felt this Holy Spirit nudging me to become a deacon. Nothing about this made any sense. And it wasn't just my wife who felt this way. One of the first steps in becoming a deacon is to go down to the diocese, the husband and the wife, and attend an informational session about becoming a deacon. And when we got, when my wife reluctantly agreed to come along for the ride, and as we went around the room and introduced ourselves, my wife Julie mentioned that we had two young daughters and she was pregnant with our son Beckett at the time. One guy who was in attendance that night told me later that he took one look at me and my pregnant wife and said to himself, never gonna happen. <laughs> and yet, with the power of the Holy Spirit, it did happen. Which just goes to show you, never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I think of the last time the Holy Spirit, I felt active and involved in my life and working through me, think of right now. And I know for you, when I get up to preach, it may seem routine to you, but not for me. For me, it's a miraculous act of the Holy Spirit working in and through me. The Holy Spirit has something to say, and it is my job to get out of the way and let it be said. In today's Gospel reading, and in the first reading, we hear about some miraculous, amazing Holy Spirit moments that the apostles and disciples experienced. In the Gospel reading, the scene starts with the disciples being hunkered down out of fear. But out of fear of what or who? Out of fear of the Jews, their own people. 
This story of being hunkered down and trying to avoid contact with our own people may hit pretty close to home for us during this pandemic. But then Jesus comes. And what does Jesus do? Jesus does the exact thing that we've been trying to avoid over the last 15 months out of fear that something bad will happen from it. Jesus comes and he breathes on them. And he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The same breath of life that God breathed into Adam to animate him in the Garden of Eden is the same breath that Jesus breathes on the disciples. Now fast forward to Jesus ascending into heaven. It is immediately after that that we hear in today's first reading in another amazing Holy Spirit moment that the apostles experienced. There they are, gathered in the same upper room where they celebrated the Last Supper with the Lord, and where Jesus appeared to them on Easter evening and breathed on them. And he, they experienced the tongues of fire of the Holy Spirit descending upon them, filling them on Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was not an isolated event in the history of the church, something done and over with. Even today, every place where the disciples gathered, even here at Corpus Christi University Parish, is an extension of that Pentecost, that being in that upper room where the Last Supper was celebrated, and where they experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now we often tell and listen to stories of the saints that have come before us, and that is certainly well and good. But I worry that the unintended negative consequence of that as we think of the Holy Spirit as somebody who, a person that just worked through people in the past and was active in presence in their lives. You may say that's then and there, but this is here and now. Our tendency is just to hear that as something that happened in the past. But I believe there are Holy Spirit moments that we've been pondering in our own hearts, and we may be feeling compelled to share. Share these stories. This is what we Christians do. We tell and listen to stories, and these stories connect us to one another and to God. These stories leave us wanting more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we want more Holy Spirit in our lives, our Gospel reading and our first reading tell us that we can do so by receiving, believing, and perceiving the Holy Spirit. Receiving. If we say we want to receive the Holy Spirit, we must first honestly ask ourselves if we want to do the will of the Holy Spirit. If we're not wanting to do the will of the Holy Spirit, then why do we bother asking for the Holy Spirit at all? Now I realize this is a struggle for many of us. We don't want to let control of our lives go to the Holy Spirit because the fact is, the Holy Spirit is going to ask us to do things and say things that we don't feel comfortable doing. When we receive the Holy Spirit, there will be moments where we have to let go of the fear and believe and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us, come what may. Now, while giving up control of things big and small in our lives can be terrifying, giving up control is key to being filled more fully with the Holy Spirit. Believing. If the Holy Spirit were to come to you today and say to you, 
I want to give you the Maumee River, the whole river, and all the water that flows through it. Our tendency usually, when it comes to trusting the Holy Spirit, is to only trust one aspect of our lives to the Holy Spirit. It's as if we come to that Holy Spirit moment with a little thimble-sized faith container. And certainly the Holy Spirit fills it and it overflows. And as we begin to trust and believe in the Holy Spirit even more, giving other, other, over other aspects of our lives to the Holy Spirit, it's as if we bring a gallon-sized container of faith to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fills that and it overflows. Trusting more, we bring a pool-sized container and the Holy Spirit fills it and it overflows until we come to the point where we give up complete control of our lives and every aspect of it to the Holy Spirit. And it is then that we bring a river-sized container to the Holy Spirit of the faith for the Holy Spirit to fill and continue to overflow with this everlasting stream. Perceiving. Who is the most spirit-filled person you know? There's something about this person that hasn't come to your mind when I ask that question. For me, one of the first people that comes to my mind when I think of the most spirit-filled person is somebody I met here at Corpus Christi University Parish for the first time. And is a person who smiles a lot. Some of you may know who I'm talking about. Do you know Danny the drummer? <laughs> She is the guy that smiles a lot and used to play drums at the 11 a.m. mass. This guy exudes joy, and it's genuine smile, and it's contagious, and it's perceptible. Anyone who has eyes to see can see the gift of joy being filled in him and gushing out through that smile. Friends, after being with Danny, I think to myself, man, I am tired of living a life that in all too many ways still looks exactly the same as people who do not have the Spirit of God living within them. I look at Danny and think to myself, man, I want to live like that. This is the way each and every one of us that has the Spirit of God dwelling within us is meant to be. We are an Easter people whose God has risen from the dead. Death has no more power over him and each of us that rise with him. And until our day comes, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. We are meant to have a joy that runs as deep within us as the Spirit fills us. We are meant to be one of those people with that smile on our face a lot. When someone says the person at Corpus Christi who smiles a lot, we are not meant to think of just a few people. That is meant to be each and every one of us. Our lives are meant to look different today than they did yesterday, as the fruits of the Spirit become more manifest in our lives. These fruits that St. Paul told us about in today's second reading, we are meant to be more joyful, more loving, more peaceful, kind, generous, gentle, and to have more self-control today than yesterday. Who you receive, believe, and perceive influences how you act. 
May we come to experience more of these moments as we receive, believe, and perceive the Holy Spirit. Every single moment is an opportunity to be a Holy Spirit moment.